Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight. And joining me once again on the Tin Can Telephone, it's Tony Kerr. Hey. How's it going this week, Tony? Yeah, it's all right, thanks. Thanks for asking. You're all set up. We've got our got everything set up to record the podcast. So, like, I've got so many windows open on my laptop. <laughs> like This week we're, uh, we're talking to each other over Zoom. But for some reason you wanted me to send you the link to the Zoom meeting on Skype. <laughs> which I don't really get so I've got Skype open I've got Zoom open I've got QuickTime recording there's just there's a lot going on it's a bit too much for me yeah it's kind of like Doom you sort of you need the blue key to open the blue door <laughs> that kind of stuff yeah and you are recording just to check you're recording your end I'm recording my, my end I'm sure like, I could probably drop in a lot of like all that sort of amusing misunderstanding like you get at the beginning of a, a Louis Theroux podcast where we were we were trying to get it working but you're recording uh, at your end. I'm recording at my end. Everything's working, yeah? I mean, it's only been, you know, what are we, like 11 months into the pandemic, so <laughs> you'd well, hope we'd have to, uh, well, I suppose, yeah, as we've outlined last week, we, we sort of dodged the pandemic here in Guernsey for a little while. Well, we, we got it, then we dodged it, and then we've got it again, so... Yeah, yeah so we are. We are we're sort of kind of scrambling around to try and kind of catch up with the rest of the world. We're trying to remember how all this stuff works. Um, but no, yeah. it is. It's a real. It's a real worry for me. I said to you just, just off air. I just said to you, uh, I've I've had more than one dream where I've forgotten to press the button to record the podcast. <laughs> so, so obviously, uh, it, it weighs heavy on my mind. Tone. So, you know, I'm glad to know that that that's working at least. What a life, eh? You know, <laughs> the things you kind of inflict on yourself. Well, as as you've said before, I then wake up from that dream and go. Oh, thank God it was only a dream. It's just a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah. How are you keeping, Tony? As, as we said last week, we're uh, back into lockdown here in Guernsey. You managing okay at your end? Yeah, getting through, eating well. Yeah. Watched, I mean, you were telling me how busy you were just before. I'm, I'm in a slightly um, unusual situation. Well, it's a, a bit of a sort of middle ground. I've just sort of swapped jobs. I'd only just started before this lockdown, so I'm kind of slightly hamstrung by how much I can do right now. So I've just basically watched an awful lot of cricket, quite a lot of tennis, and a lot of Married at First Sight Australia. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think I've ever been busier in my life before ever, uh, despite not leaving my house. Um, and you just keep messaging me like, oh, what a shot from Sitsipas. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, I can't watch that. But I have watched, I have watched lots of the cricket, listeners will be will be pleased to know um but yeah it is it is weird as obviously as everyone on the mainland knows only too well one of the weird things about lockdown is that, that it, it's just, i just don't i don't even really know what to say to you like what do i ask you how what have you been up to like it just doesn't work like i've certainly got very few stories at the moment i've not got 
they've not got many sort of uh, wry observations about things. It's just, it's all the same, really, isn't it? I'm struggling to remember what day it is. It's, uh, it's like being on holiday, except the exact opposite of that. Um, so, so maybe we ought to crack on and talk about the cricket. Well, I mean, you mentioned you've been watching a lot of cricket, a lot of tennis. How, how did we manage in the first lockdown without sport? Oh, it's a great question. It really is. And also, how do people who don't like sport manage as well? Because, but, you know, basically sort of been waking up in the morning, yeah, watching the cricket. When the cricket's not on, watching the tennis, that takes you through to about one. Then obviously you yeah, kind of do a few chores and try and do a bit of work. And then there's like Champions League on in the evening last night. You know, it's just, I don't know. What, what, how would you deal with it without it? I don't know. Yeah, I'm definitely very glad that we have it to, to, to help us through. And we have got loads of cricket to talk about tonight, uh, as we say, starting, of course, with the second test in the, in the series between India and England. No shortage of talking points there, Tone. I know you've got lots to say. So that's probably going to take up the bulk of our time here. But we mustn't forget to, uh, to discuss Bangladesh v West Indies as well, because we've had another phenomenal test match uh, to wrap up that series. So we'll come on to that later. But let's start in India, because uh, England's... Tour of India continues, um, and after winning the first test in Chennai, a, a shock result and a, a shockingly comprehensive result, a shockingly comfortable result, England crashed back to earth uh, with a bit of a bump this week uh, as the second test, also in Chennai, uh, went south in a hurry. India won the toss this time and chased about first on a, on a pitch which we'll talk about that, uh, has, well, that has been much talked about. Uh, and they made 329 on first innings, thanks in very large part to Rohit Sharma, with a pretty astonishing 161 at the top of the order. England really got nowhere near them in reply. They were all out for just 134, with Ravi Chandra and Ashwin taking 5 for 43. England seemed to be uh, doing much better with the ball second time around. They had India 86 for 5 and then 106 for 6, and there was even some suggestion that they might be able to kind of drag themselves back into the game. Uh, but the, the, there were runs in the lower order, uh, particularly a partnership of uh, almost 100 between Varak Kohli, who made 62, and Ravi Chandran Ashwin, who made a century. His uh, fifth test century meant that India got 286. That set England uh, a notional target of 482, and they didn't really get going uh, at all. There wasn't really too much left to play for, uh, but they, they didn't offer much resistance and they were all out for 164 with Akshar Patel on debut, taking five for 60 and Ashwin another three wickets. So that meant that India won the game uh, by 317 runs, a mammoth victory to level things up at one all with two to play. So Tony, um, after a, a pretty surprising first test, which, uh, which saw England utterly dominant, obviously we talked about that on the last show, um, you know, that it was a surprise to us. Um, was this game rather more how we might have expected this series to go? I think you could probably say that. Uh, I think I've, I've said this quite a few times over the years on this. At some point after the event, I just I don't enjoy England wins enough at the time. I, I try and kind of like, I talk myself down from enjoying it. And then a few days later, England are on the you know, on the the reverse of a, you know, a, a, a pretty emphatic defeat. And I'm just regretting not enjoying the victory more at the time. I mean, obviously I did enjoy it, but, you know, I, I don't know. Suddenly it's kind of like England humbled, England thrashed and stuff. It's like, well, you know, it's one all at this stage of the series. Okay, yeah, the, the direction of travel, you know, in theory isn't, isn't brilliant um, for England. You sort of, 
I suppose possibly you worry for them for the rest of the series. Were it not for the day night test coming up, you know, that's probably a bit of a um a bit of a wild card, so we'll see how that goes. But uh yeah, exactly. I think you know, it would have been an ambitious England fan who would have predicted England to do oh well, it would be a, a, a mad England fan who would have predicted what England did in the first test. Um yeah, I think possibly they they slightly under well, they obviously underperformed in this test, but I think you, you kind of hoped that England would put up, you know, if it was 4-0 and, and every test match was like this, I think you'd be a bit disappointed with the, this England side. I think there's enough enough about them to to get closer in matches. So, yeah, I think it was more, possibly this one, more emphatic, though, than than, than perhaps we would have expected. Or I hoped, anyway. Yeah, and there definitely are some, some worrying signs, and we'll, and we'll talk about them. As you say, England didn't really get very close. But, I mean, you mentioned, like, the direction of travel um, doesn't seem great. But then is, is direction of travel a thing or, is, or as much of a thing as people sometimes make out? You know, the idea of momentum, momentum, you know, is is that really a thing in Test cricket or was it ever? I don't know. Or if it was, is it anymore? Because it, we, we see this all the time that, you know, England get walloped in the first Test of a series. Everyone's <laughs> talking about, you know, including us, about what a bad team they are, and then they roll back and win the, the next two, um, or vice versa. Or, you know, in India, obviously, got blown away in the first test. In Australia, came back to win th- that series. India got blown away in the first test of this series and then turned around and, and produced that performance and won so handsomely here. So I, I, really, I really don't think you can rule out a repeat of the first test in the third test. Yeah, There's that's There's definitely a fair things point. to be concerned yeah. about from England's point of view. And, and as I say, we will talk about them but if people are talking about like oh England humbled you know same old England here we go again well let's just wait and see how the rest of the series plays out because there's really no guarantee at all that it's going to continue or you know that it's going to play out in any in in any in any particular way because it's it's been so those first two tests are so radically different that I think it, it makes it very hard to predict the rest of the series. No I agree and the the fact it's a day night test I think that you know there are as well there are clearly mitigating circumstances kind of more generally. I think that the fact that England changed four players is, is less than ideal. Um, obviously, some of them in four, some of them, and we'll talk about it later with the you know, rotation policy, some of it are kind of a factor of, of the, the world we live in at the moment um, and, and others injury. So winning a test so handsomely, handsomely and then having to, to, to change four, four members of that side, you know, that's probably not what you'd look to do ideally in a, in a perfect situation. So... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it was it was pretty tough to watch at times. Um, yeah, yeah. probably as dispiriting for England fans as it was for for Indian fans watching you know passages of that first test. But but hey, it's one all, and and as lots of people have said, you know we'll take that. Well, yeah, I think England fans definitely would have taken that at the start of the series. I certainly would, and there's still a long way to go. I mean, don't get me wrong though. Like, uh, I'm not saying that Test cricket is just some kind of like random you know like just random series of events like you clearly can analyze it and draw um, conclusions and make predictions and India definitely are favorites to win the series at this point they were favorites before the series they're certainly favorites now and the way things went in that second test if there are more pitches like that you know you really wouldn't put a lot of money on England winning (laughs) I don't think from this point but if we don't have the same sort of pitch um, in Ahmedabad, I don't think I'd be surprised if England won the next test or you know won one of the next two tests because we saw enough in the first game 
to show that they do they you know they've clearly got enough about them to do it and India have weaknesses too so I, I just don't think we can draw too too many conclusions yet and if anyone is sort of saying yeah you know oh typical England here we here we go you know there's there's still a long way to go yeah quite I mean for me I, the, it's quite a crazy situation I think it, it's there, there are there's kind of so many discussion points that the, the heat has really been turned up on this series very quickly hasn't it I, you know from the pitch to the, the the umpiring decisions, particularly the the third umpire, um, to to some of the on field behaviour, I guess, uh, to some of the, the 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 kind of glee that's been taken in it from some quarters, and the the reaction to the reactions, to the reactions. It's kind of, and obviously, what's happened after the the test match with um, you know the the whole issue of Moeen and him going home and, and missing the next two tests. Uh, it, it kind of suddenly feels like going from that first test where it's like, oh, well, England, are, you know, what a, what a great start, a particularly special victory, a special performance and, and everything kind of moving in the right direction to suddenly there's this like kind of the, the end of a, a kind of whirlwind. And I don't know whether that's just, you know, a slight uh, factor of, of the, the, the situation in the pandemic, how many eyes are on it, how many people have got sort of time to chat and stuff. But yeah, it's kind of, uh, it, it sort of feels slightly on edge at the moment channel four mate it's the channel four effect yeah true it's the mambo number five effect it's the lou bager effect <laughs> is what we call it yeah i know what you mean it, it suddenly feels like it's unraveling but you know but we may feel very differently after the third test you know our our, kind of, our emotions have uh uh have been sort of uh, turned around so quickly you know in the space of a few days between test one and two it could happen again the other way it could also easily end up india winning the next two tests comfortably and, and winning the series three one but but yeah, I, I just wouldn't want anyone to 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 leap to conclusions yet. Well, you you've kind of you listed a whole slew of things, um, a whole slew of talking points that we need to discuss really today. So let, let's try and work our way through them systematically. Let's start with the pitch because I think probably, well, certainly for the first uh, first few days of the game, most of the discussion centered around the pitch. There was there was quite a bit of controversy around it because you know, well, for anyone who hasn't seen it, you know, who didn't see any of the game, it was it was turning enormously wasn't it right from the get-go the pitch was kind of breaking up balls were taking huge chunks out of the surface you know there's bits of the pitch kind of flying everywhere explosions of of uh of soil um so it was a bit it was kind of like a day five pitch on day one wasn't it <laughs> and then and and then kept breaking up from there so it was like day six day seven day eight kind of thing some people particularly some english commentators have been very unhappy about this um very outspokenly unhappy about it um your ag news and your vaughn's um <laughs> i suppose vaughn is just i don't know predictably yeah, yeah. If, there, if there's a if there's a controversy um you know that vaughn's uh, gonna be at the center of it but but yeah agnew uh, said you know you, you might as well play on a beach uh because this pitch just isn't good enough for test cricket so um Let's get the uh, the definitive verdict from from Tony Kerr. What what did you th- <laughs> what did you think? Do you sort of go? Do you have any uh, truck with the argument that it's that it wasn't good enough for Test cricket or or not? Where where do you stand? I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about it. I bet you um, have. You've got nothing yeah, else yeah, to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> literally, uh, literally, just playing Championship Manager on your phone, aren't you? So yeah amazing amount of stuff as well written and spoken about the pitch over the last few days uh yeah it's astonishing isn't it that you know a few yards of dirt can kind of get people quite so agitated 
I don't know. I, I think there's there's been a lot of good points made variously. Um, yeah, I don't think it was a good pitch, was it? Uh, 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 and I know people the the, the counter argument to to the certainly the his kind of hysterical viewpoint that it was a, a kind of a disastrous pitch is that obviously Rohit hit that brilliant one six one in the first innings. You know, Coley as one of the game's elite batsmen, uh, you know, battled through to sixty two in India's second innings, obviously Ashwin, brilliant century, sort of buccaneering century from him. Um, so, you know, India did score quite a few runs on this pitch. So, and I think that's a fair point. I mean, you know, some people have said, well, is it a bit, you know, we kind of a bit snobbish, snobbish the right word, I don't know, but a bit kind of like set in our ways that that spinners shouldn't be in the game from, from the, the, you know, the first whistle. Yeah, is there, there's kind of whiffs of like colonial like kind yeah. of outlooks, which to me is sort of slightly nonsensical. I don't know. I think it, yeah, it's look, it's it wasn't a great pitch. I don't think you want you you don't want it to to be breaking up in that kind of way on on the first morning because I think you know people rightly would have been thinking, well, what's it going to be like by day five? Is it going to be like you know, is there going to be anything left of it? In, in the end, it probably it eased up for a, for a bit, and certainly when the ball was was harder, it was perhaps more dangerous. For, for the batsmen, you know, there, there were easier passages that followed. So maybe people were a bit hasty. Yeah, uh, some, probably, some critics were a bit hasty with their opinions. At, at, the, at a minimum, it probably didn't deteriorate as much as we might have feared. You know, we saw what was happening on the first morning. You sort of thought, well, by, by the end of day two, day three, how much worse is it going to be than this? But it, 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 it probably didn't get that much worse, did it? It, just didn't, it was just very difficult or it was turning that much from the beginning and you know obviously c- comparisons were made with with green seamers and saying well you know england you know um back in england they'd be producing pitches to to suit the home uh, bowlers to suit seam and swing and screw the tourists who are coming over if it's india and, and, and then getting blown away or whatever um so they should be able to do what they like here and i i i, I don't know i think there's a i think there's a definite difference between a swinging ball and a pitch that it's exploding in the surface when a, when a spin is bowling it because it's the ball. It's not, we're not talking about the, if you're talking about a minefield, then, you know, if England produced a, a pitch where the bounce was erratic and up, down and, and all over the place, then, you know, people would be, would be critical of that too. I don't think, yeah, I, I think that's a kind of, it's, it's a mixed kind of sort of confused wires there when people it's are like being red herring. Yeah, exactly. So sort of, uh, yeah, going down the wrong path. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think, Everyone needs to kind of simmer down a bit. It wasn't as bad as some people said, but it still wasn't great. So let's just crack on. But again, you know, mitigating circumstances. It was the second test in Chennai in a in a yeah, you know, what a matter of days. Clearly, the, the the ground staff there, you know, wouldn't have had their usual kind of freedom and and time to produce a pitch in the way they would have wanted. So yeah, although wasn't know, the, it's just one of those things. Wasn't the the groundsman sacked by the BCCI after the first? test I don't, I don't want to get too much into this because i haven't i haven't looked into it enough but i did i did read that um that they yeah that they got rid of him and uh and sort of <laughs> brought in someone else to to prepare a, a pitch that was more to their liking um yeah no i i, I agree with you turn i think um i think the complaints uh aren't entirely without merit and to some extent like it's not an ideal test pitch as you say it's probably not what you want what you want is for it to get more and more that way as the game goes on but not to be happening in the first on the first day but I do think I think the complaints while they have some merit they're they're not a great look 
as you say, probably people just needed to calm down a bit, probably uh, withhold judgment slightly. Uh, maybe wait. I mean, easily, easier said than done when Twitter exists. Well, problem, yeah, but I mean, maybe certainly wait till the end of the game. Maybe wait till the end of the series to see what the other two pitchers are like. I, I take your point about the green seamer in England. You know, the, the idea of uh, that England prepare pitchers to suit them, and and these pundits don't complain about it. I take your point that that's that is slightly a red herring because that tends to be more about the overhead conditions. You know, when a when a team falls apart uh, for. 120 in England a touring team and the ball's hooping around that's that's not necessarily because of anything that the ground staff have done with the pitch that's I mean it might play a role but it's a lot of that is about the overhead conditions and the and the jeeks ball but it's probably true to say that the the people who are complaining now are not complaining in those instances that like you know that, that this isn't what we want to see in test cricket. Do you know what I mean? Like I, Michael Vaughan in that instance, he'll just be praising Jimmy Anderson and Chris Wokes. He won't be saying, but it's not good for test cricket to see, to, to not see a fair contest between bat and ball. And I guess the other thing as well is that, you know, this pitch, it was the same for both teams. I mean, yes, India won the toss, but they, they still batted better in the third innings of the game than England batted in the second innings of the game. I mean, Ashwin scored a century. So, how seriously can you take those complaints given that? But I mean, I, I like the odd pitch like this. You know, I, I, firstly, I think it's supposed to be difficult away from home. I think it's good that it's difficult for England in India and difficult for India in England. That's one of the things that makes Test Cricket interesting, that makes it such a challenge, that makes it so satisfying as a fan when your team does win away from home because it, it's supposed to be hard. And I also like seeing variety in Test Cricket. I... I I like that it's not all the same everywhere in the world, that the conditions in India are very different to conditions in New Zealand, are very different to South Africa, West Indies. That's part of the joy of it, part of the appeal. And I think it's good that when you have pitches like this, that it, it's a real challenge and you kind of, you have to be good to succeed or it like it rewards the best players. Maybe Ashwin being a slight exception to that for all that he's a good batsman is not the best batsman in the team. But, you know, where... Rohit in the first innings had to play, you know, that was a fantastic knock. You know, he had to play that well to succeed. Or even Ben Folkes' wicket-keeping, you know, Ben Folkes, how much better did Ben Folkes look or how much more do we um, appreciate what he was doing because it was so, it was spinning so much and it was, you know, it just sort of really highlighted what what an amazing job he was doing behind the stumps. So I I think it's good that it to have a pitch like this that it kind of brings out those skills and sort of showcases the the best of the best a lot of the great test innings you know a lot of lara's innings um is it lara's innings in australia that people talk about because it was no one else could lay a glove on the ball and lara was carting it all over the place so i think that's a good thing the only problem would be is if every pitch is like this every pitch in this series certainly every pitch around the world you wouldn't want that you wouldn't want test cricket to always be like this any more than you'd want test cricket to always be played on pitches that go up and down or seem around. As I say, the variety, the range is one of the things that makes it interesting. So, But let's wait till the end of the series to see what the next <laughs> two pitches are like before kind of getting too het up about it would be my my feeling. No, I, I agree. And, um, you know, when you look at comparisons with other sports, like 
in football, if a, if a team has a particularly proud home record or, or is very, very difficult to beat, you know, in front of their own fans, for whatever reason that is, you know, that's kind of celebrated and it's like, it's lauded. Likewise, you know, in tennis, Rafa Nadal dominating at the French Open, no one goes, oh, it's just, you know, this is not a level playing field for everyone. Mm. It's, it, you know, it's it's great to see someone exploiting those conditions to, to such wonderful effect. And uh, yeah, so uh, likewise, as you say, there was lots to enjoy about this and, yeah, seeing what Rohit did and the way he played, you know, seeing the way Ashwin and, and Akshar as well to, yeah, their contributions. And, and as you say, yeah, folks as well, you know, it, it does, it draws out different skills and, and abilities that, that you don't see in every single test match. Certainly, I think England will be uh, hoping that there aren't two more pitches like this. The contrast between the first their performance in the first test and the second test means I'm sure they'll be hoping for a pitch much more like the first test. But I do think India should be a bit careful. Like if India are now thinking, well, let's just get two more pitches like that and we'll just roll them over, I think they should be a little bit careful that, about that because it is a gamble. You know, when you have a pitch like that that is so much in favour of the bowlers, it is a gamble because it, it could easily go the other way. India would definitely start as favourites on a pitch like that every time. But if England win the toss, if Joe Root manages to get in. They could put 250, 300 on the board. And then if their spinners have a good day or if the Indian batsmen have a bad day, they could skittle them out and engineer a winning position. So, you know, before the series, I would have thought, and I, I read George DeBell saying this, and he's usually right, but, and he was saying this before the series, that, you know, that, that really, like, that's where India went wrong in, in the series in 2012 that they lost, was they prepared lots of pitches like that and actually Swan and Panazar proved to be better at, than the Indian spinners and England won because of that whereas actually if if India just prepared four flat pitches they probably would have won the series it would be a risk if they kind of look at what happened here and just think right let's just do that again because it could go the other way but then that being said you know they prepared a a much flatter pitch for the first test and England absolutely belted them so you could you could definitely understand uh, the logic if they if they if they make that decision to to try and emulate um, this pitch. Yeah, look, I don't, yeah, because obviously, that, yeah, there were some insinuations, yeah, kind of about how deliberate and how you know, I was gonna say, it's not quite mean spirited is quite the right word, but uh, yeah, you know, about the intentions of the of the BCCI and 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 you know, doctoring pitches and all this kind of stuff, which I think is probably a bit of a stretch, or, or certainly, yeah, a, a bit too much. That said, I do think there are possibly question marks about certainly the third umpiring, yeah, which was. Yeah, you know, pretty dismal, and I know some people will say there were decisions that went both ways. There was obviously a, a you know a moment that got a lot of attention where uh, Root was trapped, yeah, trapped LBW, a sort of back pad, kind of not not far off uh, off the stumps. Yeah, you know, was given not out, went upstairs. It looked kind of it looked pretty damn plum. Yeah, it went with umpire's call in terms of uh, where the impact was, and, and Coley was pretty furious with that. That to me, that was uh, I don't know if we, you're ready to come on to the umpiring decisions. To me, that was obviously you know the the third umpire, the impact um, umpire's call is just the it's just what the Hawkeye spits out. So I don't think you know I don't think that's kind of any sort of proof otherwise, or doesn't sort of disprove that the sort of or it's no real proper counter to the decisions that were made elsewhere in the test some of which were were pretty lousy at best and at worst possibly worse uh well yeah no we can talk about the third number if you like because that i mean that was one of the other um sort of big talking points of the game wasn't it because he did had a bit of a shocker in the annual chowdhury although he, he did have a very good um he was good in the in the first test on the field 
but that's maybe something to consider. So, I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned um, that root moment got a lot of attention, but in terms of the, that wasn't really, that wasn't the fault of the third umpire, was it? That was that was just the technology rather than his application of the technology. Yeah. But there were... So there were a couple of others. There was, there was a, a stumping, which was, you know, look, looked, I, I, it was obviously very close, but it, there was no evidence of anything behind the line. Uh, so, so that was a pretty poor decision. There was another one, obviously, that, that was that was even kind of more divisive, uh, yeah, sort of bat pad decision. Which, yeah, it kind of well, I, I can't even remember exactly what happened. Whether it was they appealed for LBW, but no, it was it actually was, it was a Jinka Rahani, and I, I think they did appeal for a bat pad, and the third umpire just looked uh, at the ball, kind of past the bat, no spike as it goes past the bat, so it just went off the pad. He just sort of rolled it through to when it, um, in, you know, to when it hit the pad and said, "Okay, no, nothing on the bat, given not out," and didn't roll it through for what they were actually appealing for, which was whether the ball had flicked the glove that you know had then come off the pad and flicked the glove on its way to the fielder, which it had. Um, so they they actually had to give England their review back later on because you know they basically realised that that was just a colossal cock up. <clears throat> and there was another one as well later in the game when Rohit was given not out. Uh, on the basis that it was impact outside of stump and he was playing a shot, but he quite clearly wasn't playing a shot. He had his bat firmly behind his pad. So there were a few moments that, you know, very poor decisions and, uh, you know, <laughs> and sort of raised questions about the impartiality of the third umpire. And, and it's quite uh, quite frustrating as an England fan, not going to claim that it would have changed the result, but it's, it still was <laughs> frustrating to watch but I do wonder it whether, whether it raises a, a, a kind of wider question about the TV umpire because although in this particular case you know because of the pandemic we have home umpires we normally would have neutral umpires we don't hear and so it does as I say raise questions about bias and, and this is something that I've kind of said before why I just don't think home umpires work is that it could be that these are just bad decisions you know there's not there's no bias involved here but because it is a home umpire, you automatically the narrative is that it's biased, and that is just always going to be the case. I just I just don't think you should have home umpires for that reason. But um, but even when we have neutral umpires, we get a lot of these uh, a lot of these cock ups from the third umpire, not always as as sort of glaring as as those. But so I just wonder whether it kind of needs to be uh, well needs to be reviewed in the uh, the third umpire's role because. I think the reason it's so annoying as a fan to, when you're watching is because you actually could do a better job. It's not like um, the on-field umpire. I mean, like uh, like referees in football, I think it's very easy to underestimate how difficult it is to be an umpire. I've done it a few times. I know you've done it a few times in kind of club cricket, not at international level. Uh, but I was pretty bad at it. So, you know, I, 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 I certainly think I know quite a bit about cricket. I understand the game. But it's bloody difficult being an umpire there's a lot to think about so I think actually most cricket fans for all that you can get cross and 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 be annoyed with umpiring decisions I think most cricket fans would be terrible on-field umpires but I think most cricket fans would actually be better tv umpires than the tv umpires I, I think you and I would both have done a better job as tv umpire in that game team it's something I've got a lot of experience in watching cricket on tv I know how all this works I think there's got to be a case for specialist TV umpires because the on-field umpires role is very, very different to the TV umpire role and they're not necessarily very good at it. They don't actually necessarily know what they're doing in the way that they do know or, you know, notionally know what they're doing on-field. I don't know. What do you think? 
Uh, yeah, I agree with you. It's, it can be infuriating to watch. Uh, I, 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 particularly when you can... It just sounds like there's, there's, there's often miscommunication between the TV umpire and the whoever's rolling the footage. I don't know whether it's the, the director of the, the output. Or I, don't, you know, I don't know how quite how that works, but you know, often they'll be kind of... They'll be going like, yeah, come on, come on, show me that. And it's kind of like, it's all, it's a bit messy. Mm. Uh, and I don't know, are they looking at screens that are too small? I don't know what the, <laughs> what the deal is. Because when you're looking at it in your TV, you know, whatever, yeah, decent sized TV at home, it's just blindingly obvious what's going on. Um, and you, you can just tell that the, you can tell when a decision's going to go askew, awry, can't you? Because you can just, you can sort of, you just sense it as soon as the, the review begins. I mean, there, yeah. There, I mean, obviously, there are there are things that need to be changed, probably in the laws of the game. But you know, the one with the 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 bat pad, and and obviously it was it was turned down, and then then you could see Root afterwards saying to the umpire, "Well, no, this is what we were kind mm. of appealing for." You know, why that can't be kind of why the the, the on field umpire can't be like, oh, "Okay, fair enough, let's just <laughs> let's just check that." Do you know what I mean? It's kind of it all seems a bit yeah, it's kind of convoluted. And as I say, I don't know that it's necessarily the same skill set or requires the same type of knowledge or training that being an on-field umpire does so why do we sort of assume that they're just interchangeable um i, I think it's something that could be looked at okay well going back uh, to the the actual cricket the on-field action um just to sort of finish on uh, on on england you know i think i think as we've said there's probably no need for them to to panic after this result they can still hold on to how well they played in the first game. They sort of prove that they they can do it, that they have um, got what it takes to beat this India team. Um, so they, they probably don't need to, to race to panic stations. But there must be a few concerns. There must be a bit of anxiety about the batting in particular. If you they obviously bowled out for less than 200 twice here. Well, they, I think they were bowled out for less than 200 in the second innings of the first test as well. So they just had one innings where they scored... Uh, you know, the massive uh, five seventy odd, and then three very low totals. So, and if you take out Joe Root's double hundred, uh, there's not been much. There's not really been much in any of these four tests, including the two in Sri Lanka. In those four tests, Root has scored more than seven hundred runs, and no one else has managed two hundred. So, you know, <laughs> it's really been Root, and that's about it. I don't know that this should be a big surprise to anyone. You know, England's batting has struggled for a long time and there's not that much experience in the top order. You know, with, uh, with you know, the likes of Sibley, Lawrence, uh, Crawley, who played in Sri Lanka, may come back in now. The one guy who has a little bit more experience, has been around for a couple of years now, is Rory Burns. He's not had a very good couple of tests here. He's caught the eye tone with his hair, with his, with his frankly ridiculous hair. But... Uh, here we go. You like this, but how much longer can he avoid the chop? That's a shocker. I thought that was good. I mean, I don't even really particularly think he should go to it. I was just very pleased with that line, so I wanted to say. <laughs> so some comparisons drawn between Burns's locks at the moment and mine from about <laughs> yeah. fifteen years ago. Tony Kerr circa two thousand six is a dead ringer. Yeah, which uh, which is a bit troubling. It's sort of uh, yeah, I'm asking questions of my. Uh, yeah, my past a bit, sort of <laughs> delving into it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he's obviously not on a great trot, is he? Root's contributions over the last couple of months have, have kind of, of, of probably master, you know, of master a few, I don't want to say issues, because that's a bit strong, but it, they've certainly obviously carried carried the side. I think you've got to give them a bit more time. I don't know, like, you know, what lineup would you have wanted to go into this series with 
to expect England to 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 yeah be two 0 up in the series at this point. I don't know. I don't know if there is one. So um, yeah, there's not many other the, options, are there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so who's it going to be? Uh, and and again, you know, the chopping and changing hasn't helped. Zach Crawley getting injured ahead of the series um, was not ideal. And you know, he's a player, obviously, after his performances last summer, who everyone is like, incredibly excited about. So I, I don't know. I think there's yeah. Uh, Obviously, England played very, very well in that first test to win handsomely. You know, if we say it's an incredibly hard pitch for anyone to bat on, let alone, you know, people kind of, as you say, fresh into their or relatively fresh in their careers, relatively inexperienced, then I don't know, can we be too judgmental on this? You know, the only players who succeeded were were Coley, as I said, you know, one of the top batsmen of all time, probably. Um, yeah, an inspired Rohit, who, again, is one of the all time greats, you know, across all formats. And yeah, an Ashwin kind of counterpunch when England were were probably yeah, flagging already yeah, behind the eight ball somewhat. So I, I don't know. I don't think you can be too harsh. Obviously, yeah, India's bowlers will probably be licking their lips somewhat uh, to, to to get into some of these batsmen. You know, it would be nice to see a bit more from Ben Stokes. You know, folks came in and did well. I don't know. The, the, yeah, let's not write England off too too soon. Well, let's talk about folks because, as you say, he's probably. He's one of the few England players who uh, can sort of hold their head up and say that they had a good game here. Because he did, he did okay with the bat, you know, obviously only 40 or but 40 or not out in the first innings, probably deserved a, a 50. But also, as we've mentioned, uh, just kept wicket absolutely superbly. I don't think, he didn't concede a single bye in the first innings, did he? Um, which on that pitch was a remarkable effort. Um, and yeah, he was probably the only England batsman to, to negotiate the pitch with any with any kind of Comfort. I th- behind the stump sound, I, I think he's genuinely brilliant. He's like glorious to watch, which is not something you'd often say about a wicketkeeper. Generally, you know, a good wicketkeeper is a wicketkeeper you don't notice. They just kind of do their job, you know, just quietly go about their business. Um, you know, might pull off the odd sort of spectacular catch, but generally you only notice the wicketkeeper if they're having a bad day or a bad game. Um, but folks, it was actually like, catching the eye with a lot of stuff he was doing with those uh, takes, with those stumpings. I think it's probably safe to say that he's the best wicketkeeper in the world right now. Uh, he's certainly better, I think, than any of the other international keepers. Rishabh Pan had a very good game here, but I think, you know, uh, I, I think it would be a stretch to, to say that, that he's a better gloveman than Folks. Whether there's anyone, whether there's like an equivalent of Ben Folks somewhere else in the world maybe do you know what I mean like someone who's yeah who's being kept out of the team by a better batsman but if it is a superior clubman um I don't know but I mean that the the same used to be said of Chris Reed uh and at times of James Foster that they were probably you know at various times they were probably the best wicketkeeper in the world but but neither of them had substantial international careers either so it's something that's kind of gone out of the game a bit the idea of sort of uh, prizing glove work and it, it, it really did become it, it was the Gilchrist effect really wasn't it it became about um, picking the best batsman who could do a job with the gloves uh, but possibly the difference with Ben Folks and the reason that I really think he should be first choice is that he actually is a test class batsman as well he could almost be in this team as a specialist batsman you know as we say England are struggling for options with the bat I think he's good enough that even if you couldn't give him the gloves or you didn't you weren't able to give him the gloves for some reason i think he could probably get in the you know get in that top 6 you know it, it is a dilemma whether and i'm sure, i'm pretty sure i know what england will do when just butler's available again 
Um, because Butler's actually been very proficient behind the stumps lately. He has been in doing that thing of, of not really getting noticed, but just doing a, a perfectly tidy job behind the stumps. And his batting in Test cricket has really kicked up a gear as well. But I don't know about you, Tim, but I'd, I'd just be picking folks all day long. I think, I think if Butler, if you think that Butler is one of the six best batsmen in England, then pick him. But otherwise, he has to sit out because I, I think it's a bit of a scandal that folks hasn't played for two years given what a good start he made to his test career with the bat and given what a difference he makes. I suppose it's tricky with the thing with the gloves, you know, runs that you save with the gloves, whether through a catch or, um, or through a stumping or just through, you know, saving buys and all that kind of stuff. It's very hard to like add up those runs, isn't it? Because they're hypothetical. Whereas runs that you score with the bat, you can top those up. So, which is why, you know, it could be that actually Chris Reed would have contributed more to the England team than Geraint Jones through runs saved compared to runs that Geraint Jones scored with the bat. But it's just very hard to kind of prove that, to demonstrate that. But I just think Folks is just the all-round package for me. And he's the handsomest man in the world. So <laughs> I just think you've got to pick him. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was just absolutely electric. And uh, I don't know, there's, uh, someone someone tweeted that, you know, you know, obviously there's a lot of aesthetic... Uh, qualities about cricket that people can latch onto whether it's a you know a swinging ball that that, that destroys the stumps or whatever or, or you know this particular person on twitter said well actually for me it's a you know it's a it's a stumping that's what they enjoy more than ever more than anything kind of aesthetically and certainly you know you can have sympathy for that viewpoint with with, with some of the action we saw you know, over the last few days it's kind of the the the, the, the beauty of the stumping is it's it, you can it's like the world kind of closing in on a batsman immediately i don't know when you get your stumps blown away it's you're, you're obviously you're kind of only taking this barrage from the from the front but but when you're kind of being pincered from two sides <laughs> like undone by the ball and uh you know and when you've got that kind of lightning uh sort of venus flytrap behind the stumps he's kind of ready to, to to kind of snap you away uh yeah it is it's pretty yes yeah, pretty you, awesome sight you've not just been dismissed you've been humiliated yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're you're you know often I suppose you, you you might be coming down the pitch a bit and you're 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 sort of left floundering, swinging <laughs> off balance, uh, and yeah, before you've even got your balance back, you know the the guys behind the stumps are, are celebrating and yeah, I, I agree. I think yeah, good good to see those skills and as you said before, you know this thing of this idea of you know obviously only noticing a uh, a wicketkeeper normally when they're kind of making mistakes and having having watched you know a fair bit of the Australia India series and, and Tim Payne you know, un- under pressure as captain and, and, you know, not doing his cause too much, um, uh, yeah, good w- with his, what he was doing behind the stumps, obviously with what he was saying and, and kind of diving across first slip all the time and spilling it. Uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's awesome to see a, yeah, keeper performing their, their kind of core skill so, so well. So yeah, it's awesome. And uh, yeah, as you said, you know, Richard Pant as well is pretty decent. I, I, I was getting slightly annoyed with Pant going, Whoa! Every time the ball, yeah, came into him, every single ball for about I don't know for for ages. Whoa! It would drive me insane as a batsman. My favourite one of those still is uh, when Michael Yardy used to be in the England T Twenty team, and Matt Pryor was behind the stumps, and he'd just quite often, if if Yardy managed to beat the bat, you just hear Pryor go, "Oh, Michael!" <laughs> yeah. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Enjoyed that. Okay, we're going to talk about India in a minute, Tone. Um, I know we're rabbiting on here, uh, but just to very quickly finish on England, uh, we mentioned Ben Folks. Another good performer, at least on the face of it, was Moeen Ali. He took eight wickets in the match. Uh, although I'm not sure he bowled particularly well. He bowled some absolutely magic deliveries, but at times he was struggling to land it on the pitch. There's been some controversy around Moeen after the game because of the fact that he's now going home. He obviously missed out, uh, you know, was left out of the first test, brought back in uh, to displace Don Best for the second, but is now going home to miss the final two tests of the series before he returns uh, for the limited overs legs. Now, initially, or in the aftermath of the game, this was uh, portrayed as that Moeen had chosen to go home, but they that's what Joe Root said, but Root and Silverwood have now both seek to sort of clarify that and say that it, it, it's not about it being Moeen's choice, that it's, it's just part of the rotation policy, and they'd, they had sort of told him that they wanted to send him home for these two tests so that he'd be fresh for the, the limited overs games. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what you make of the of that whole thing, Tane. But also what you think about uh, England's rotation policy this winter in general, because it's it's another thing that's um, uh, yeah been much talked about in this game. Because it, it it was obviously a, a quite a different looking team in this test than it was in the first test. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's all very unfortunate, I think, um, and it, and it may just have stemmed from from Joe Root's. Just, just the very language he used that that, that Moen had chosen to go back, and uh, you know, and some people have questioned whether he should be the one to be discussing this kind of stuff. Anyway, should it be Ed Smith or Silverwood, you know, talking about these kind of issues? Which I, I don't know. It's, it's by the by. I, th- I think obviously it's you know, it was perfectly reasonable for that to have come up with Joe Root. I, I think, by my understanding, this obviously was an agreed rest period that that. Uh, that Moan was was allocated, um, but at some point in the match, he was asked, "Well, would you like to stay on?" After subsequent discussion, it was decided that he wouldn't stay on, and he would, as as had been pre-planned, he would take that kind of that leave of absence. So I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think it's as I say, it's it's, it's unfortunate. I think it's unfortunate that it involves Moan because obviously there has been an element of of, of kind of controversy about Moan in terms of selection and and him coming in and yeah, his treatment, which I don't I don't know. I, I, I think maybe possibly it's been overdone. I think it, it's raised questions, which I think are also very unfortunate. And um, you mentioned George DeBell earlier. He, you know, he wrote a, a nice article 
um, you know, putting that situation into context. And obviously, you know, it is a pretty enormous commitment that the players are making at the moment, particularly if they are all format players, as is the sort of buzzword. Um, and if they're, they're looking to play the IPL, which, which Moeen is... Um, Yes, supposedly in line for a, for an IPL contract, uh, but but there was there was one there was one sentence though that that I just thought was just a bit dangerous and a bit was was taking it way too far. And uh, so George Debell said there is perhaps a deeper irony here. Moeen has been used as the poster boy for inclusivity by the ECB since he made his international debut. But as we reflect on the wreckage of this situation, we might well question how equitable and inclusive his treatment has been. It's worth repeating, nobody else was described as choosing to miss part of the tour. And, and you know, some other people have sort of called or recalled the situation with Archer and, and his treatment. I just think it's kind of, it's just, it's just unfortunate Uh and I went back and had a look, certainly on the ECB's news articles over the last few months, talking about the squads for Sri Lanka and this series and everything. Um, there was no mention, his, his, Moeen's name was never mentioned as, as one of the players who would be taking a, a kind of an allotted leave and, and when in the, you know, in the way that others were, Butler, Bairstow, Curran, etc. Um, although there was a one BBC article um, ahead of the the. the series where with the the basis of which was was speaking to Moeen about his experience of COVID and coming through that in which in the last uh, paragraph of a probably I don't know 30 paragraph article 25 paragraph article it just said well yeah Moeen is one of the players that will be taking a you know taking a break uh, from the schedule after the second test so I don't know it, it seems odd does certainly seem odd that it wasn't better publicized before but maybe that was just because of the fact that he ended up getting COVID and presumably that, that, that possibly changed the, the, the kind of the whole dynamic of the situation. So I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's unfortunate. It obviously could have been handled better, but you know, or you'd, you'd like to think that everyone had the best intentions, you know, every step of the way. Yeah. I mean, it could also, you know, as you say, it could have been because he, he got COVID. It, it, it could also have been that he wasn't necessarily expected to play much of a part in the series because, I mean, obviously he was in the squad, so it was a possibility that he would, but he, he wasn't sort of in line um, to be first choice and, and indeed wasn't in the first test and was only brought in because they sort of lost a bit of confidence in Don Bess. So that could be why. And, uh, you know, the idea that Moeen is the only one, you know, that it's only Moeen's, um, Moeen's rotation that people have sort of got uh, upset about, I just, I'm not sure that that's true. I think... I think when the news came, the news was announced about Butler and about Bearstow, there were a lot of eyebrows raised. and There was a lot of discussion about that at the time, rightly or wrongly. Probably just come from the fact that it was a, you know, that it was a bit of a bungled um, bit of wording from Joe Root. I'm a little bit torn on it, on the rotation policy in general. And certainly in the case of Moeen, I think, you, you know, you do have to have a lot of sympathy that he has had COVID. He does have young children at home. I know some of the other players do. As well, speaking from experience, the idea of being away for months at a time—it must be. It's. I mean, it's kind of it's slightly unimaginable to me. It must be incredibly difficult, and you know, I, I can certainly understand why it, it just seems a sort of human thing to do to give them a few weeks at home uh, and a break from the bubble life, which must be extremely difficult. So, in that uh, in that respect, I think the rotation policy does make sense. I think it has a lot of merit to it. But where I just, I just sort of instinctively um, 
recoil a little bit or I struggle a little bit is, as you mentioned, that obviously Moeen's hoping to play the IPL. In most of these cases, it's because these guys will be playing the IPL. And I don't know, for all that I completely get that, it's like it's totally logical, totally understandable from a financial point of view. Why there's just there's an imperative for them to do that. How could they not do that? I still just find it kind of hard to swallow as an England fan. That's just my sort of instinctive reaction that the idea, and I'm not specifically talking about Moeen, but that any of these guys have been sort of given the break during the India Test series so that they can come back to India, you know, for two two plus months to play the IPL just grinds my gears a little bit yeah. because personally I just don't like the IPL I don't <laughs> care about it and I do care about test cricket I think um, you know um the fact that Moeen isn't one of the test centrally contracted players uh is a factor here because if you want to yeah you know, I don't know I don't think you'd be too critical about players by all accounts coming to the end of his career yeah, I don't want to write him off too early, but you know, he obviously he's of of an age where these kind of paydays, uh, you know, aren't going to be coming around that many more times. And if if you, you know, if you're not considered one of England's test kind of uh, pool, yeah, test, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then I don't know where, but 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 the that yeah, the issue is more over, I think, on on England and the 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 scheduling that they've kind of they've put before the players and the priorities they take. I don't think you can necessarily be too critical. It's it's a, it's a no brainer decision for for someone. It is a no brainer. I don't know if I'm articulating myself properly because yeah, like don't get me wrong. If I were in their position, like in the in those individuals' position, if I were Moeen Ali. I would absolutely make that decision to play the IPL because it 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 is as you say a no brainer. I also think it's the right thing to do from the England management's point of view to allow them to play the IPL to sort of because you don't want a situation where they have to choose and they make the choice to go and play the IPL you know against um against their against the sort of ECB's wishes. So it totally makes sense that they sort of, from a management point of view, to kind of sort of give them permission to play the IPL and to to give them a rest from England duty. So it makes sense for the player. It makes sense for the team. But I, I'm almost just annoyed with the situation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just annoyed that it is the case that the IPL is so much more appealing and, and has to be prioritised. Because personally, I don't like it. And I would just much prefer that England had their first choice team available to them all the time. And that test cricket was the thing that was super lucrative. But that's, you know, no, that's obviously I, just not the case. Yeah, I've, I'm sensitive to that viewpoint for sure. I, 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 mean, I think England have got their priorities wrong here. For me, yeah, if Moeen is, a, is a, an asset to, to England's test side in their um, cause of trying to get a result from this marquee test series then then he should be there and 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 take his rest period during the uh five t20is that, that are following uh and the odis i guess uh, likewise any of the players you know I, I, don't, I think england should have lined up their squad to be at full strength for the whole of this india series i, I, I guess possibly the sri lanka series running into it because you know that is a, an adequate warm-up and and you know and for want of a better word you know bugger the um t20s to follow because at the end of the day, are they, of, are, they, are they of kind of massive consequence? Not really. The players that are going to the IPL will clearly benefit from that experience of playing T20 cricket you know, in Indian conditions, whether they have done or not or before. The World T20 is 
you know, right down the line in October, November. Um, and presumably there are going to be some warm-up matches to that anyway. So the fact that this test series is part of a bigger tournament as well in the, in the, the world test championship, there is something bigger at stake and a, you know, a place in that final in, in the summer would be, would be awesome if England's test team could, could get it. And then, and then think about what's to come. I don't know. I, I, yeah. It just feels like they've, they've slightly, um, yeah, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to cover too many bases here. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Actually, I think I agree with that. They, they could certainly have missed the ODI series. It's not, not the top priority at the moment, is it? But, Okay, well, well, what about India then, Tane? It was, you know, you'd have <laughs> one to say hour a, nine minutes uh, in, <laughs> <laughs> for an hour in, um, but you'd have to say it was a good comeback from them uh, after getting hammered in that first test. Some standout individual performances, not least from Ravi Chandran Ashwin. It's the third time that he's scored a hundred and taken five wickets in the same match. Only Ian Botham's done it more. Botham's done it five times. So does that mean, Tone, that Ashwin is one of the best all-rounders of all time? Is that what we're saying? Well, he's probably in the conversation, isn't he? I mean, he's got to be in the conversation. I don't, <laughs> you know, certainly when you look at the the list of you know, sort of modern all-rounders, you know, that there, there just aren't that many anyway to begin with. So yeah. if you're... He's probably underrated as an all-rounder, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, obviously his batting had suffered... Uh, for for a little while, and you know, maybe he, he found a little bit of touch back in um, in Australia. And this was a, a you know brilliant innings. In could you argue it was relatively inconsequential at the end? India probably would have romped to victory had he only made twenty or thirty. But um, but it was still it was yeah it was great to watch. And, and actually, you know, for for all of the disappointment in seeing England beaten so handsomely, that uh, you know that was a pretty awesome moment or a, a, an awesome passage of play seeing Ashwin get to his century with a crowd of, you know, I don't know, with a 25,000 there. Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously in his, in his home on his home turf and, you know, alongside watching some of the tennis earlier in the week or last week with crowds there, you know, that, that was, that was pretty awesome to see and, and just, just pure fun sport to watch. Yeah. So that, that, that was great to see. I don't know. I, I also, I think, you know, obviously in, in life, we, we put a lot of emphasis on, on youth and, and, potential um but actually how great it is to see a player of you know an experienced player it is in his absolute prime you know we should yeah we should be sort of celebrating that as much as as there has been obviously there's been a huge amount of praise has come Ashwin's way in the last few days um and and it's not all about the you know the 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 young upstarts that are that are coming into this Indian team you know there are some there are some quite brilliant players there, and obviously you know Ashwin's always been an interesting bowler, um, but as you say, as an all rounder to to be achieving those kind of performances and, and being in the conversation with the likes of both of them, etc. Is yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and he, he bowled really well too. I mean, the batting kind of caught the eye, but he, you know, obviously the pitch helped him, helped his bowling. But he knows what he's doing on these kinds of pitches. He knows the right pace to bowl at. And it's very, it was very sort of aesthetically pleasing bowling uh, on that pitch. You know, the, is the way he bowled to Ben Stokes. I don't know. It's just very good to watch. And I, I thought Akshar Patel was very impressive too on debut. Just this way, extremely accurate. Again, the pitch helped him. He won't always have as sort of friendly a surface as that to work with. But, you know, if he keeps bowling like that, he'll be absolutely fine in test cricket because, yeah, he, he uh, really found the right line and length. Uh, and then we mentioned it, a terrific innings from Rohit Sharma was kind of the standout batter in the match. Um, he's had a real kind of stop-start test career, Tone. 
sort of he's obviously been around a long time. You think of him as being one of the sort of uh, marquee players in the world uh, because he's so incredibly successful in ODI cricket and T20 cricket. But he's he made his debut in, in tests eight years ago and he's only played 36 matches in that time. He's batted at different spots in the order. He's been in and out of the side. But yeah, I mean, he's clearly one of the most talented batsmen in India. He's one of the best ODI batsmen in the world. So when he when he gets it right, you know, there's no doubt that he, he must be good enough for test cricket. When he, and he plays in things like that. Not many people could play. He's coming up 34 now, Tone, which, as we know, is ancient. So he might only have a couple more years left left in him. So whether he'll ever sort of, uh, you know, establish himself as a as a test great in the way that he has an ODI great, I don't know. But but this was a very good innings. There's no doubt about that. So how do you see the rest of this series going then, Tone? Uh, we've said, you know, or I've said maybe momentum's not a thing. Or is it? I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? With two tests to go... One all going into the day-night test. Uh, you know, I'm sure that's a position England would have been very happy with at the start of the series. But what do you think? He's, where's your money now? Very hard to say, isn't it? Very hard to say. I don't, I don't know. The, the, the day-night element yeah, must be... Yeah, it's got to be... It's a bit of a leveller. It's got to be tough to predict, hasn't it? I think, yeah, you know, there's only been one day-night test in India. That was uh, November 2019. India winning by an innings and 46 runs against Bangladesh yeah, so I don't know. There's not, we, yeah, we haven't got much info to go on. Uh, it's obviously a new stadium. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it could be pretty interesting. I, I'm not going to predict it. I know. I noticed you. Go on, uh, okay. okay tool series, end, end of series tool. Wow, yeah. big, big, idiotic. Um, <laughs> no, no I, I, I think for me, you've got to go for India at this point. Um, you know, they're certainly favourites from here, but. Well, only because as I, said, I don't think momentum's a thing necessarily, but only because you know the odds were stacked against England to begin with. It's an exciting prospect. I'm really looking forward to the last couple of tests. It's certainly for all that England were outclassed here in this game. It's exciting that we have seemingly a competitive series on our hands, which is is not necessarily what we expected beforehand. Well, with apologies to Bangladesh and West Indies fans, we're going to have to rattle through this chat extremely quickly. Um, which is a shame because we have got a really exciting test match to talk about here um, in Dhaka, which the second test of the, of the test series between the home side Bangladesh and the West Indies. We talked last time about the first test, which was absolutely scintillating, you know, which a record-breaking run chase, West Indies chasing 3-9-5 to win that game. So that was a tough act to follow, but this one didn't, didn't disappoint at all. Um, West Indies made 409 uh, in the first innings of the match. Uh, with a 90 from Nkrumah Bonner and 92 from Joshua De Silva. Uh, Bangladesh in response were bowled out for 296, with Rakeem Cornwall taking five for 74. So, you know, big first innings lead. West Indies seemed to be well on top of the game, but then they were skittled out for 117, uh, with Tigel Islam taking four wickets, which meant that Bangladesh was set 231 to win. It was a, a tantalising prospect. Bangladesh got off to a good start. They got made it to 59 without losing a wicket, but then lost uh, wickets regularly after that they were eventually nine down for 188 but a little bit of a partnership there at the end meant that West Indies would have been getting very nervous uh, but Jamel Warrican plucked the final wicket uh, Mahedi Hassan Miraz edging to Cornwall at slip to be out for 31 uh, which meant that Bangladesh were all out for 213 and West Indies won the game by just 17 runs so another thriller here tone an astonishing finale to a pretty astonishing 
test series did he did he manage to see this did he see this final moment yeah i've watched the watch the highlights uh yeah i mean another brilliant test match and you know we said it last time that test cricket's a real golden moment in terms of uh the action of the last few months and this yeah this is kind of no different was it and i like for so many reasons a brilliant uh well, not for, if you're a bangladesh fan or player but for so many reasons a, a you know, brilliant result obviously a west indies side that was so much changed and without so many of its quote-unquote established players um yeah to go to bangladesh and and win 2-0 is is kind of remarkable the way they did the way they did it in both games was was pretty awesome uh and yeah a, a pretty thrilling finish here rakim cornwall just you know what a hero uh man of the hour man star with the ball uh took a took a great catch to to clinch victory there's an absolutely fantastic photo which uh, i don't know if you've seen um if you look on if you, if you guys haven't seen it uh windy's cricket on twitter i think they've still got it pinned to the top of their uh timeline of, of yeah of cornwall being mobbed by his teammates and just obviously yeah a man of that stature would 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 dwarf any single uh teammate but but he's he's kind of uh yeah he's sort of like someone you know the, the classic kind of kid with a trench coat and you know sort of two kids underneath it it's kind of <laughs> just an enormous figure um but just yeah kind of yeah what a what a performance from him and and what an awesome kind of character for cricket i don't know it's just uh great to see yeah i'm really pleased for him because he he was he was becoming he was a bit of a figure of fun in england last summer i thought like he perhaps didn't get the respect he deserves he didn't have a great game when he was picked he's probably the wrong selection for that test but there was uh, an undercurrent from some uh, from some quarters of like you know is is this a joke kind of thing you know is who is this guy sort of thing but he, he's actually got a very very good record in first class cricket he's made a good start to his test career he took nine wickets here as you say a fantastic catch to end it he's obviously um an unusual uh, an unusual figure for a professional athlete but he's very good at what he does and you know he, he's not whether he's going to be a sort of world-class test cricketer, I don't know, but he's, uh, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's clearly an asset to the team right now. And he's, you know, the key figure here in, uh, yeah, uh, setting up that victory. And as you say, a, a, a rare series win for West Indies away from home. As I said last time, it's their first win against anyone other than, other than Zimbabwe and Afghanistan against anyone away from home for eight years since they last won in Bangladesh. And Bangladesh were nowhere near as good then. So, you know, if you want to go back to the last time they beat, quote-unquote, a good team away from home, you've got to go back to the 90s. So, um, yeah, I'm delighted for them. And as you mentioned, they were without so many of their sort of uh, key players. You know, I think for the last couple of years, they've had all the ingredients of a very decent test team. But the one thing they were lacking is depth. You know, you you look at the sort of first 11, you think that's a really good team, but can... Roach, Gabriel and Joseph play every single match and bowl out of their skin in every single match and and you sort of thought well beyond that first 11 what have they got well you know perhaps perhaps that's starting to change maybe it's too early to make sweeping uh statements but it's nice to see some some other faces involved some other names um sort of being uh influential in these victories so yeah just just really pleased for them really all right, well, that's going to be your lot for the World Cricket Show this time. We've gone long again, Tone. I, I was thinking before we started this, I was like, oh, this will be good. We'll keep this one nice and short. You know, maybe uh, bring it in under 40 minutes. It's not happened. <laughs> Have you enjoyed yeah. it, though? Well, it's just, a, it's just a bloody 
lot happening, isn't it, at the moment? It's tough to uh, it it's tough to squeeze all this cricket in between um, episodes of Married at First Sight. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and plenty to look forward to. I don't know. I, I, I think you know. I will probably. Well, when is the IPL? It's not till April, is it? It's a little way away. April, um, I mean, yeah. Still, a fair amount of cricket to look forward to over the next uh, few weeks and months as well. So, yeah, we'll keep it coming. Well, we're going to stay with it. We're going to stay across it. It's kind of in a way, it's easier to squeeze these in when we do it over Zoom. You know, it becomes a whole evening if I've got to come down to your flat. You, you've got to kick Emily out of the living room, <laughs> which she's thrilled about. No, I think so, I think we'll, know, uh, first opportunity once lockdowns lifted and the weather picks up. I think we'll be uh, yeah, we'll be back out. Straight, straight to the beach. Um, all right. Well, uh, between now and then, if you enjoy the World Cricket Show, do get more involved on the internet. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. I'm sure you can find us there. If you want to get in touch, you can do it on one of those social media platforms or you can send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. And if you enjoy the show, then do uh, leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it because that's uh, really helpful. That does bring new people help new people to discover us uh, which is what we want so um thanks to everyone who has done that thanks to you tony for this cheers for your contributions tonight i'm off to bed another busy day for me to not tomorrow another uh, landmark day for you too i'm sure yeah it's a bit of tennis to watch all right well stay in school everyone stay home stay safe and we'll talk to you soon bye for now cheers I can smell your fear. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.